0: I'm thankful today that we have families that, that are blended, families that are working on things, and certainly we understand that, that life doesn't always end up the way that we thought it was going to end up or look the way we thought it was going to look. And so I tell you, yes, this sermon is for everyone today, but not just those that are caretakers, but I would also tell you that if you're a teenager, a young adult, maybe a teacher on the kids' team, or you're just someone who doesn't even realize yet that your influence is making an impact on our kids, I tell you that hopefully by the end of this word, you will understand just how important you are to all of those in the next generation. Your actions matter. Your words matter. The way you live out your faith, it matters because it impacts our children. It impacts them because they are looking to you. Uh, yesterday, we had a leadership session, and as we were leaving, several of our volunteers were there. But Danny happened to be there, Danny Ferry, who works with our kids. He's been out the last two weekends. He had a wedding, and then some other excuse he sent me that I think was kind of lame. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Danny. He, he missed a couple weeks in a, in a row, and, and that's not like him to miss. But we got in the car in Brighton was with us that day. I'm thankful for Katrina being there to help us with the kids. Thank you for all those that work in this area. But I was so impressed because my little boy who's five years old said to me, he said, Dad, I am so glad Danny's home. That's exactly what we did too. He said, oh, I am so glad Danny's home. By the way, how many's glad Danny's home? Amen, somebody. We asked him to not wear the Spider-Man costume, but he did it anyway. I'm just kidding. He's a perfect, perfect Spider-Man. Looks great. It's awesome. It's awesome, Danny. But there's a story behind Danny working with kids. And a lot of you may not know this. In fact, I wonder if, we got a few pictures. I wonder if you could put those pictures up. This is Danny when he was a little boy. Could you jump to the next one? Nope. (laughs) Yep. Notice where Danny's sitting, though, as a little boy. It's a hospital bed. A lot of you don't know this about Danny, but the reason, and he shared this at leadership retreat with several of us. But the reason Danny is so passionate about being on the kids team and influencing the next generation is not because he's yet married or not because he has kids of his own, but because whenever he was a little boy that age, he was battling cancer. And so as he was battling cancer, he told me, he said, Pastor, I remember as I was battling cancer, I was fighting this this disease and this sickness he said, but what's amazing is he said, all I remember mostly are the good memories. He said, I remember nurses and doctors being so kind and treating me so well. He said they had, and one of the reasons he plays golf, if I remember correct, correctly, is because they, didn't they have like a, a mat that they would put out for you that you could swing the plastic golf clubs and and, and and just, it was early on that he was actually cultivating a love and a passion for that game just because somebody gave him a set of Plastic golf club so that that hospital, that that room, this sickness that he was battling would be a little more bearable. There was somebody in his life that wasn't a parent that, that wasn't uh, necessarily a family member that understood that they had a responsibility to take something that he was going through and make it better. And isn't it amazing that in all of that he went through, he remembers the good out of a situation like this. And don't you think it's even more amazing? that because he remembers that, he's made a decision that I'm going to do the same for kids and the next generation. Isn't that a beautiful, beautiful thing? (laughs) Danny's had a profound impact on our kids because he loves investing in them. And he loves, if you've ever seen him, there was just a few weeks ago that we had a situation where one of our kids was very distraught for a very good reason. And I watched Danny get down on eye level with this young man who was going through this frustrating time and he began to talk to him and console him. And if you, don't, if you don't think that there's a connection between what he went through and being able to do that, I promise you there certainly is. And so we are all today influencing the next generation with our actions and our words. And, and I will tell you the reason it matters is because our kids, the next generation, they are the greatest commodity and resource that God has given us. These kids are the future and they are the present. These kids are the future and they are the present. And I will tell you this, we can actually take some cues from them when it comes to our worship and the way that we approach God. In fact, Jesus said, if you want to approach me the right way, you've got to do it like this, with child-like faith. Jesus even said, if you offend one of my little ones, this is such a terrible thing that it would be better for you to have that millstone around your neck and cast into the sea. Jesus takes the faith of a child very seriously. He understands that that is the example even for adults today. And I would tell you just a sermon in a sermon that it's not your intellect. It's not how suave you are. It's not your charisma. It's not how many good works that you have done that will cause you to be able to get to Jesus today, but what will cause you to be able to access that one who has all of the answers for your life is if you will come like a child and say, God, I know I don't have much to offer, but I'm giving you my faith. I'm giving you my heart. Can I tell you that heart of humility is one that God will accept. It's one that God will work in. I want to show you also a few pictures today that really have left a profound impact on me The first three specimens that I'll show you are examples of Monterey Pines. This is all the same species of tree, and they primarily grow out on the West Coast. You've probably seen that. You can just stay on those first three there. You can go to the next one, Olivia, if you'd like to. But you can see that all three of these trees look relatively similar. Again, West Coast tree, kind of similar to what we have over here on the East Coast. And and so it's a pretty amazing tree. They can grow very high. They're really beautiful but the next couple of pictures that I'm going to show you are the exact same tree, but this is what the dendrologists, which make me sound really smart, you can leave that one right there, dendrologists call wind-shaped or wind-sculpted trees. You see, this same species of tree, when it's placed just a few more miles toward the coastline, closer to the ocean, what happens is as it grows, the wind... The influence of the wind, the power of the breeze, that constant blowing of the wind ends up shaping its growth and it grows in the direction of the strongest wind that blows on it. I prefer the second ones, if I'm honest with you. I think they're a little bit cooler, don't you? In fact, these trees that you see here, they get a lot of TV time because in many, uh, actually each year, there's a golf tournament that oftentimes is televised, at least one that comes around every few years. And then you'll probably, you can look it up on YouTube or other golf tournaments, but it's called Tory Pines. Anybody ever heard of that golf course? Just Danny. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> Tory Pines is is a, a beautiful golf course, but it's right there on the coastline. And, and it's literally, they named the golf course after this pine tree. And, and so what happens is, is each year when they do this, or when you go to that golf course, you're looking for these iconic trees because they really are so beautiful and so unique because we can see the influence and the power of the wind, the effect of the wind on their growth. I think we all know where I'm going with this today. We are much like these trees. We grow in the direction of the strongest influences of our lives. Paul warned the Ephesians of this. We should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried away about with every wind of doctrine. He says, you need to grow up. You need to be strong. Don't let the wind of false doctrine or the ideas of men and others that that you know it's not true. Don't let them affect you and impact you and cause you to sway in a direction that you should not sway. Can I just offer today that there is no doubt if you're a parent or if you have any understanding of, of where we're at in our culture. The wind of culture is blowing so hard against the lives of our children and our families. I can feel the influence and there's no doubt that that we understand that this is impactful, that this is difficult. In fact, why are we here today? Why are we doing this on this weekend? Because we understand that the impact and influence of a weekend like this in our world is such that we have to be extra watchful of the things that come on the media that's in front of our kids. We have to be extra watchful because on a weekend like this, I've never heard my little boy mention zombies. But he mentioned zombies today. That's not a coincidence. That's not ironic. That, that's absolutely the influence and, and the wind of culture. And please don't think that I'm trying to demonize or, or, or cast, cast any kind of shadow on, on people that don't know God. That's the opposite of what I'm doing today. But I'm speaking to somebody who's trying to lead a family or lead a child in the right direction. And I think we would all agree that the winds of culture are blowing In a very, very strong direction. And that is why I love this verse of Timothy. In fact, Paul gives us a little more background or Luke gives us a little more background. Apparently, Timothy grew up in a home that had some strong winds in the opposite direction, in the wrong direction. This young pastor that Paul would admonish and say that he loved so much he didn't have the perfect home life. And we see this in Acts 16 and 1. Paul, the Bible says, came also to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there. Somebody say, named Timothy. This Timothy, remember, would end up pastoring the largest church in the New Testament. This was the Timothy that would end up being the protege of Paul. That would end up being a powerful minister of God, faithful to the gospel. But check out what the rest of the verse says the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek man. What that implies to us is that Timothy was raised in a split home, very likely. That his mother ended up being a Jewish woman who was converted to Christianity. But we even see in the missionary journeys of Paul and Timothy later that there were implications that Timothy's father probably had not converted to Christianity. And he had to live his life in a home that was split for quite a long time. And what we also know is that Timothy grew up in that very likely in that town of Lystra. When we look at that town, it was a town full of paganism. It was a town that didn't have a Judeo-Christian culture. It was a town that was full of Greek thought. So Timothy had two things working against him. He had a father who wasn't a believer. And he had a culture that didn't teach or believe what he was being taught by his mother or believe what his mother believed. You would think that that would be enough to sway Timothy in the wrong direction. Yet despite the blowing winds of false doctrine and poor influence, there was a wind that was blowing stronger in the young man's life. There was a wind that was blowing stronger. And I want you to hear me right now, parents and families, because there is a lie that comes straight from hell, I believe. And that is the lie that says your influence is not making an impact. That what you say and do is not going to be enough. I'm here to tell you that if there was a grandmother and a mother that was able to influence Timothy in the right direction, despite an unbelieving father and despite a culture that was certainly not on his side, your family can make it. Your children can make it. You've just got to keep on doing what you've been doing. You've got to keep on praying with them. You've got to keep on displaying worship in their lives and in your homes. It's going to make an impact. Don't let the devil lie to you and tell you that you're not going to make it. You've got to keep on believing. Because can I tell you, there is a wind that, is, that even goes beyond your earthly influence. And that is, we know the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit of God, what is it described as? It's described as a rushing mighty wind. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 when they were all in one mind and one accord, the scripture says that that the Holy Ghost came in like a wind of fire. There was something that took place in that moment and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Can I just remind you that yes, there are great influences that are on the outside of us. There is external winds that are blowing in culture and in false doctrine and wrong mindsets and all of the confusion that we see that is bearing down on our families. But the reason we do Sundays like this is because what we believe is that there's something greater than, than what's on the outside. There's something on the inside that is more powerful. You know what? Specifically talking about false doctrine, that's where this, this scripture and I believe is First John comes into play when he says this, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. John was saying to them that day you read the epistle what you'll see is he was saying there's plenty of false teachers of wrong mindsets of winds that are blowing but greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world can I just remind somebody in this place today that it's not completely up to you you don't have all the power as a parent but what you do have on your side is God will fill your kids with the Holy Ghost God will fill your family with the Spirit and you'll have something on the inside of you that is greater than on the outside of you. I saw this come to pass this week. My little boy's not been filled with the Holy Ghost yet, but God's going to do it. And I think we all want God to do that for him, especially, you know what I'm saying? I'm just kidding. He's, he's, he is the way he is because I'm his father. And I am the way I am because that's my father. You just keep passing the buck, you know what I'm saying? In fact, I need some help here during this. Can I get, Jack, can I get some help? Could you come up here? You can come this way. I need two more kiddos that can help me. Can you come help me? And I want to get some that didn't get to sing. Do you want to come up here and help me? That would be awesome. You can leave that if you want to. I know that'll be difficult to bring up here. Beautiful. Okay, so this week was pretty cool. Um, My little boy, hey, let's give it up for these kids right here. You come over here. My little boy said to me, he, he just was talking to me and my wife, and he st- he said, Dad, you know what the fruits of the spirit are? I was like, Well, do you? So, and I got my phone out, started Googling. I'm like, Of course I do. Love, patience, and, and absorbing. You can name the rest. Man, he started naming, rattling off the fruits of the spirit. And I was like, that's amazing. could, could you display them now? That's amazing. And I was like, me and my wife, really, we were so impressed and we thought we're such good parents. Like we're just doing things right. You know, we're just doing things right. I don't know what it is. We just gave each other a fist pound. Like we're like, we should have another. You know what I'm saying? Like. And then he told us where he learned them. He said, no, I learned them at Stello Church, Dad. I've been learning these in class. I said, that's amazing. And so I, I, I talked to Autumn, I talked to Telena. Can we just, I know I keep doing it, but can we give it up for them? They're amazing. And they said, yeah, you know what is cool because last week we had this illustration where we took some really sour fruit and we had the kids taste the fruit juice from a sour fruit. We talked about how that isn't what we want to be and just this awesome illustration. What we're doing here today, can I just tell you, this happens every single Sunday Back there in the kids' room, back there in their worship experience. This, this is amazing that this is taking place. And so your kids are learning. And it, it made me think about this. It made me think about the fact that our kids, I've had you standing up here a long time, haven't I? I'm really sorry about that. They're just kind of like, could you not have called us up a little later? It's, you guys are amazing. All right, could I give you what's your name? Addison. What's your name? Chet. What's your name? Brinley. Can we give it up for them right now? So here's what I have here. Speaking about the fruit. Now, you got the tough one, okay? You're right here. Can you, can you guys stand up here close to this? This is yours. This is yours. This is yours. Speaking about the fruit. You guys got that? We got some oranges. Actually, Jet, can you lift it up without spilling it? Show them what's in there. Some strawberries. All right, could you show yours? And some grapes right there. Isn't that awesome? So these are all great fruits. As I was studying for this, I thought this illustration would be apt because here's, here's what we know is that our culture is going to pressure our children. There's no doubt about it. That wind, that influence is going to pressure them. But here's what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 16. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree, what does it do? It's going to bear good fruit. Every bad tree is going to bear bad fruit. So here's what we know about our kids. Now, here's, here's where it's going to get fun, okay? This is why I ask you to come up. You're going to love this. I want you guys, and I'm, you may have to roll your sleeves up for this. I want you guys to get your hands in that fruit, and I want you to squeeze. Like, I'm telling I know. You, should, we just, should we count to three and let them start? Are yeah. right, you guys ready? Yeah. One, two, three. Go! Oh, that's good. Could, maybe one of our kids' team members could grab us some napkins for what's going to happen after this. You think that'd be good? Like maybe just some, some sanitizing wipes. We are all going to drink this after this is over. I'm just kidding. Come on. Come on, get in there. Really get in there. Oh, that is... You're doing good. All right, Jet, what do we end up with here? Hey, that's really Good. Really let's you, yeah, let's see what you you did. Good though, you did. I mean, you did pretty good. I'm not gonna lie. You need it. Come on, get in there. Don't be ashamed. Maybe we can, make jam out of this. we can make jam out of this. That's a great idea, Jet. We can make jam out of this. That's the sweetest thing I've ever heard. So, all right, that's good. Thank you guys. Now, here's what I know. What were these? Oranges? Yeah. Guess what came out of the orange when it was squeezed? Orange juice. I've never squeezed an orange or put an orange in the blender and gotten apple juice. And thank God I've never gotten pomegranate juice, you know what I'm saying? Or grapefruit, which is honestly the most deceiving name for a fruit in the entire world. It's like, oh, good, it's grapefruit. This is going to taste amazing. It tastes like grapes. And then you taste it and you go, why? <laughs> this is why I have trust issues, because of grapefruits. You know what I'm saying? That with And chocolate chip cookies that actually have raisins. Come on, you know the devil is real when that kind of stuff happens. So here, here's what I know. Thank you, guys. You can go over there to Miss Autumn. She's going to make sure you get everything you need to get. Great. Can we give it up for him one more time? Great job. You can go right over there. So every single one of these containers is now full of the fruit or the juice from the fruit that was at its root. See, what is at the root will eventually be born. But you won't know what's there until the pressure is applied, until it's squeezed. You can see it. You can can watch it be displayed, but it's once the pressure is applied that we actually see what is on the inside. And so I know that often the prayer that we are tempted to pray is, God. Protect my kids. And we should pray a covering. We should pray a protection. But can we just take a moment and realize that God has actually put something inside of our kids that is supposed to be displayed, that is supposed to be put out on display for the world to see. But it is often the case that that will not be put on display until there is some pressure applied. I know that it's scary to think about our kids walking in this world. And we ought to do everything that we can defensively at home. We ought to pray the right prayers. We ought to put our, our kids in the scripture and in the word. We ought to have homes that have good standards and high standards of excellence and understand the scripture. But can I tell you, we are not doing that so that we can hide the light that God has placed in them. But we are doing that because we know that there's a dark world that's going to apply pressure to them. But specifically right here in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talks about a group of people that would do a lot of great works. They would prophesy. They would be able to speak with other tongues. They would do a lot of things. But the scripture says that they would never know him. He would look and he'd say, I don't know who you are. But then just a few verses later, Jesus says, but I will tell you how you can identify those who are actually mine by their fruits, you shall know them. Can I just tell you I'm thankful that we can come in here and we can see a display of the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful that there are moments where the Spirit of God rushes in but I'm here to ask you, is the fruit of God on display in your life and in the life of your children? You won't know until the pressure is applied. But what I believe is that in the midst of an ever changing, ever frustrating, ever sinning culture, there's going to be a group, a next generation, some kids in this place that will stand up because they are anointed. They have been filled with the Holy Ghost. And when the pressure is applied, the Word of God is going to come out of their mouth. The power of God is going to work within them. Let me just tell you, we're not raising weak children. We're not raising weak families. These kids are going to make it. They're going to be able to make it in Jesus' name. I feel the Holy Ghost. Would you stand with me right now? I feel the presence of God in this room. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 34 says this. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until these things have happened. One of the most confusing and perplexing scriptures in the New Testament. Because every disciple that you could have talked to in the book of Acts, they said, "We're, we're let me tell you something. Jesus, he's coming back. I, I don't really have to worry about this. In fact, there, this was such a perplexing topic that that churches were getting messed up in the New Testament. They were saying, did Jesus already come back? And now they were making up new doctrines because everyone had such an expectation that Jesus is coming back in my generation. That when they lived to be older, and there were two and three generations before them, it was that doubt could set in. Hear me right now. I know that it's the plan of God. I know that it's the will of God. I know that we are supposed to be here today, but can I just say this because I feel it in my spirit? I speak it because I have a five-year-old and I have a 10-month-old. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until these things have happened. God has chosen this generation. But you know what's beautiful about being chosen? Is God never chooses anybody without equipping them. And see, the fallacy and the fear and the lie from the devil is that, yes, this is the generation that all of this pressure is going to be applied to. But that pressure is going to be greater than what God has placed within them. And I'm telling you, it's not true. That yes, the pressure is here. That yes, this generation is going to be a generation that feels the culture changing, that sees, oh, I don't know about you, but all it takes is just a few moments with the television on or a few moments just looking through the headlines or a few moments of just having a a normal conversation and you wonder, God, do I really want to raise kids in this world? Anybody felt that way? I think we've all felt that, but you listen to me. The pressure will be applied. There's no doubt about it, but this generation... This generation has been equipped with everything that they need.